اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین وصلی وسلم علی نبین المین و علی و اصحاب اجمعین اما بعد یقول المصنف رحیم اللہ تعالی الكبیر الخامس عشر الكبر والفخر والخیلاء الامام الذهبي رحمه الله تعالى begins the next chapter ikhwani chapter number 15 and it is dealing with one of the greatest kabair known to mankind but there is a deception that iblis has been successful in pulling off upon many of the people and that is the kabira of al-kibr or arrogance being a person who was mutakabbir or al-khuyala which is to be haughty to be a person who's in the earth and the person is haughty and arrogant whenever we hear about al-kibr most of our minds go to the hukam when we hear about the word kibr and the mutakabbirin many of our ideas go to that rich relative who thinks that he's better than everyone because he changes his Mercedes every year, every two years. So he has a big house and he deals with people in a way in which it will suggest that he thinks he's better than everyone because of his color, because of his money, because of his position. And those people are mutakabbirun. But the reality of the matter is that the vast majority of people, even from the regular normal people, they have al-kibr. Many of us who are sitting here who consider ourselves to be people of humility, we have al-kibr. Based upon the definition of al-kibr that the Prophet gave sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam, and based upon the way we behave, it will suggest that we have al-kibr. So this particular chapter inshallah is a reminder from Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi that comes from the Kitab and the Sunnah and the authentic statements of some of the righteous predecessors reminding us about the importance of discarding all of the characteristics and all of the subal, the means and the ways that lead to a person being from the mutakabbirin. He brings as he always does in all of the abwaab as-sabiqa the ayat of the Quran wa kathiru mahiya like the statement that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said wa qala Musa inni uthtu bi rabbi wa rabbikum min kulli mutakabbirin la yu'minu bi yawm al-hisab when Musa had his discussion with Fir'aun who was the imam of the mutakabbirin from the human beings when he was giving da'wah to Fir'aun and calling him to la ilaha illallah and calling him to be a person who was fair and just as it relates to his mu'amala and his treatment to Bani Israel Musa said to Fir'aun salawatullahi wassalamuhu alayhi wa ala nabiyyina and Musa said verily I seek the protection and the assistance of my Lord and your Lord and I seek protection in Allah and His assistance from every person who is mutakabbir and he doesn't believe in the day of hisab. If the person believed in Yawm al-Qiyamah, he will realize that it is not just nor is it befitting for him to have any kibr. So if Fir'aun knew this or the other people from the mutakabbirin, if they knew that Allah Ta'ala is the only one who is mutakabbir, 
from his names as he is Al-Mutakabbir. And that is one of the names and one of the descriptions that it is haram for any human being to compete with Allah in that thing. A person can have some of the names that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. He described Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Quran in Surah At-Tawbah as being Ra'uf Rahim. The gatekeeper of the Jahannam's name is Malik. The man in the Quran, in the story of Yusuf, he is called the Aziz, Al-Aziz, Imra'atul Aziz. Those are names that people have been given that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shares in those names and those attributes. But there are certain names that are exclusively for Allah and is not permissible for anyone to compete or to share with Him in those names. And from those descriptions and those names is the description of Al-Kibr. Allah is the only one who is mutakabbir and rightly so. The next ayat is the statement of Allah ta'ala, إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْمُسْتَكْبِرِينَ Verily, Allah does not love those people who are arrogant. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in those two ayats have made it perfectly clear that al-kibr is a kabira from the, the kabair. He also brought the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Ghafir, in which Allah ta'ala said, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُجَادِلُونَ فِي آيَاتِ اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ سُلْطَانٍ أَتَاهُمْ إِنْ فِي صُدُورِهِمْ إِلَّا كِبْرٌ مَا هُمْ بِبَالِغِي فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ Now this is one of the proofs that go to show that many of the people are mutakabbirin. Many of the norm peop- normal people don't see themselves as being mutakabbirin because they're from the fuqar, from the fuqara, du'afa, masakin. He doesn't have any money, so he doesn't see himself as being kibr, mutakabbir. But this ayah shows many of us are mutakabbirun. Allah Ta'ala said in this ayah, Verily those people who argue about the ayat of Allah without any proofs, they argue about the ayat of Allah and they make al-mujadila without any sultan, without any authority. They're just arguing based upon their desires. He says it's haram and he doesn't have any proof why he says it's haram. He says it's halal, he doesn't have any proof why it is halal. He tells you, you have to follow one of the madhabs. And if you don't follow one of the madhabs, your Islam is suspect. Okay, that's a claim. Bring the proof if you're speaking the truth. He can't bring any proof, but he'll remain on that particular point of view. He'll say, whatever his sheikh is calling to, his peer is calling to, whatever the point happens to be that a person is upon, when you ask him, please just present the evidence. He doesn't present the evidence. So he's arguing with the, about the ayat of Allah without any proof whatsoever. Verily those people who argue about the ayat of Allah without any authority that has been given to them, verily inside of their hearts there is kibr. And they will never be able to reach it. So seek the assistance of Allah. Verily Allah is all hearing and all seeing. The reason why this ayat was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is because some of the kuffar of Quraysh, they had a problem with the fact that Allah chose divinely, He chose Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be the khatam of the Anbiya and the Rasul. To be the Rasul that was sent to Quraysh and to Bani Nas, to Bani Adam. 
So they used to ask questions. Why would Allah send Muhammad as opposed to sending one of the men from the two great cities? Why would he send him? And they used to argue about that point. Allah Ta'ala chooses to do what he wants to do and it's not for us to ask why this or why that. So it wasn't permissible for them. So the part of the ayat when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in fi sudurihim illa kibrum mahum bi verily in their chest, in their breast, there is kibr, arrogance, and they will not reach it. What will they not reach? Meaning, the ayat that Allah sent down was the fact that He chose Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam as His Nabi and His Rasul. And the fact that these people are arguing about that ayat, they will never ever, no matter how long they argue, no matter how much they argue, they themselves will never reach the point of being a Nabi or from the Anbiya. They will never reach that point. So that goes to show, Ikhwani, whether we understand an issue or we don't understand an issue. In the religion of Al-Islam, it is not permissible to reject something in this religion with hatred. You don't necessarily have to practice a thing. As it relates to us men, the same thing with a riba, for an example. It comes up with all kinds of excuses. Just say, I'm weak and I want to use the riba. That is better than saying, we're living in this country and you can't get away from it, so I'm going to do it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed interest usury to be taken because this is the 21st century and it comes up with a lot of excuses that when you start to deal with them scholastically they don't stand up to any to any argument that is intelligent in the religion of Al-Islam. It's better for a person just to say, I'm weak, I'm going to do it and not to make the mujadila and to be one who argues without any sultan, without any delil. And it is not a delil in our religion that Sheikh so-and-so said it. And that is the delil. That Sheikh so-and-so said it. No matter who that Sheikh happened to be. Because he could be mistaken in his points that he has, that has caused him to take that particular position. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu, he said that the Prophet says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la yadkhul jannata man kana fi qalbihi mithqal darratin min kibar. The man who has a speck of arrogance in his heart will not enter into the paradise. He doesn't need a lot of kibar. The man who has a speck of kibr will not enter into paradise because the Jannah has been made haram for anyone to go in there and he has kibr in his heart, thus competing with the Lord of the worlds. So the one who has a speck of kibr will not enter into paradise. One of the companions who was sitting amongst the companions when he heard that statement, he wanted further elaboration and he said, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the Raju, Yuhibbu in Yakunu Thobuhu Hassana, Wanalu Hassana, Kala Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Allah Jamilu, where Yuhibu Jamal, El Kibru, Baturul Haq, Wahamtun Nas. The man said, Ya Rasulullah, the way we are, one of us who's sitting here, we like to have a nice thobe, nice clothes for the Eid, for the Walima, for the Nikah. Or just in my dunya, just like walking around with nice clothes. And one of us also, he likes to have nice shoes and nice socks and nice furniture and a nice car. 
He wants a reliable car that he can afford, a Mercedes Benz, a Rolls Royce. That's what he wants. He lives in a place where people drive those kinds of cars. Is that kibar ya Rasulullah? He told him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, verily Allah is beautiful and Allah loves beauty. There's nothing wrong with you purchasing and wearing nice things. It is from the religion and it's from the shukr that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves. As he told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna Allah yuhibbu an yara athara ni'matihi ala abdihi. Allah loves to see the effects of his favor upon his slave. So if Allah has given you something, He loves to see the fact that He has given you that particular thing and you've displayed it. So the Prophet of Al-Islam wasallam, especially on the occasions, the munasabat in Al-Islam, he used to go out to the Eid with the nice dress. He used to tell us, wear your nice clothes for the Salat of Al-Jumah. If a man is going to get married, he can wear nice clothes, his wife can wear nice things, there's nothing wrong with that. Always remembering in al-badadata min al-iman that also al-badadah is from al-iman and al-badadah is you wearing the same clothes once or twice or three times without changing them which doesn't mean you don't bathe and you don't keep up with your hygiene but not going overboard so the point is ikhwani in this issue it is the middle course that the muslim is encouraged and ordered and commanded to maintain and to hold on to allah loves to see the effect of his ni'mah upon the servant so allah is beautiful and he loves beauty and then he gave us the prophetic definition he said al kibru arrogance is rejecting the truth and looking down upon people. If you are a rejecter of the truth, you are mutakabbir. And if you look down upon any person from the Muslims, then you are mutakabbir. This hadith goes to show us, brothers in Al-Islam, we as Muslims, based upon this hadith, we have to recognize that every single kafir is mutakabbir. Because he has rejected the greatest truth, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is Al-Haq. He is the truth. From his names is Al-Haq. He's the truth. So anyone who has rejected him, because his fitrah has been corrupted, he has some kibr inside of him. And that necessitates, that's a need because of the the ta'rif or the definition that Rasulullah gave sallallahu alayhi wa Again, as it relates to the fiqh of Al-Islam, or other than the fiqh of Al-Islam, the issues of this religion, for the most part, they are clear. So when we look at the madahib in Al-Islam, there's not a single madhab except that it has what is correct, and it has what is incorrect. And you can't even say that one madhab has more things correct. All of the madahib, the majority of what is in the madhab, more of it is correct. Each madhab is like that. But for someone to think that my madhab contains all of the truth and all of Al-Islam, that is incorrect. And if you remain on that position, that is a form of kibr. And our imams themselves used to say that and they used to warn the people who follow the madhabs, don't take every single thing that I say because there's not a human being except that some of the sunnah, some of Islam has passed them by. No human being had all of Islam except the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa as it relates to taking the correct position. 
Al-Kibr is rejecting the truth when it comes to you. Rafal Yadain has been established, established with a tawatul, a hadith, and so many companions have narrated it. The person comes and says, no, I'm going to follow my madhah. Abu Hanifa didn't say it. Abu Hanifa was wrong, and his two companions rejected that position of his. You must be a person, ikhwani, that you do not connect your religion to any human being like that. When the truth comes, that's what you have to do. Allah of His infinite mercy on us, He has made it halal for everyone sitting here to wipe over your socks. These socks that I have on. The sock doesn't have to be leather. The sock doesn't have to stay up on my calf. It can have holes in it. If you make wudu in the morning or any time during the course of the day and you put your socks on, you have a day and a night to wipe on that sock. So wiping on the sock or the mess on the sock is from the sunnah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as Anas ibn Malik said, Kana yamsahu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala tasahin. Rasulullah used to write upon the tasahin. And the tasahin is any and everything that covers the foot to warm it. He used to wipe on the leather khuf. He used to wipe on the cloth, the sock that was a cloth. Ali radiallahu anhu came to the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He made wudu, wiped on top of his shoes, his sandals. Didn't take them off, wiped on top of them. Came to the door of Rasulullah's masjid sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, took his shoes off, went in and prayed without the shoes that he wiped on top of them. So if a person has made wudu and he brought the sas on, he can stay here and take the ruqsa that Allah has given him. The point is, this is not a class of fiqh. It's not a class of fiqh. The point is that if it has been established in the religion of Al-Islam, don't be a person who rejects the truth, especially when it is something that is clear. He brought the hadith of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us about the reward of the mutakabbirin. قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يحشر الجبارون والمتكبرون يوم القيامة أمثال الضر يتعهم الناس Verily those leaders who are the jibbarun and those people who are mutakabbirun the people who are jibbarun and mutakabbirun they will be brought يوم القيامة and Allah will make them into small particles Small particles that the other people will walk over them and trample upon them. That will be their reward. So we know of many instances where the person is weak and he gets arrested in the Muslim country and the people oppress him. And the ones who are holding him captive and they want him to spend money or the one who is taking his right, that man knows that no one can help him but Allah. He doesn't come from a family that has any ability. He doesn't know any of the people who have power. So he just has to take it. And he wishes he had an opportunity to get revenge right there. But he doesn't have an opportunity. All he has to do is have sabr. Be patient. The day is going to come inshallah when everyone is going to get their hukuk from those who oppress them. In this case, the mutakabbirun and the jibbarun, they will be made into small particles and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow those people who were oppressed and other than them to trample them underfoot. And Imam al-Dahabi said, وَقَالَ بَعْضُ salaf 
أَوْلُ ذَنْبٍ أُسِيَ اللَّهُ بِهِ الْكِبْرُ قال الله تعالى وَإِذْ قَالَ وَإِذْ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اسْجُدُوا لِآدَمَ فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسَ أَبَى وَاسْتَكْبَرَ وَكَانَ مِنَ الْكَافِرِينَ وَكَانَ مِنَ الْكَافِرِينَ فَمَنِ اسْتَكْبَرَ عَلَى الْحَقِّ كَمَا فَعَلَ إِبْلِيسُ لَمْ يَنْفَعْهُ إِيمَانُهُ الإمام الذهبي who died in the year 746 he said from what the salaf used to say and he used the word as salaf from what the salaf used to say and the salaf ikhwani simply means those people who preceded you from your grandfathers and those people you come from There are still people who reject this word as salaf as-salih and they say this is a new invention that just came up recently. As salafia is a new invention that just presented itself recently by the Wahhabis or other than that. And then we have the non-Muslims who are saying the salafists are the ones who are believing in terrorism and so forth and so on. The concept of the salaf was something that was present all the way back during the time of the tabi'een who used to call the companions of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the salaf because they preceded the tabi'een and a salafia is not a group it's not a group like the many groups that the muslims have created for themselves it is a concept it doesn't have an amir doesn't have a secretary doesn't have a murshid al-am It is a concept. And what's the concept of a salafia? The concept is simply taking that book right there that Quran and the authentic sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and understanding those two sources and practicing them the way the companions who were our salaf used to practice them. If a person who happens to be salafi is bad in his behavior, he's a liar, he's a thief, he's oppressive, he's shadid, he's whatever That doesn't give you a justified reason to reject the concept of taking that Quran and that Sunnah and understanding them according to the way the companions understood them. And for those people who are Salafi and you ascribe to a Salafiyah, if you see that the concept of this word is a problem for the Muslims because those people are threatened by a Salafiyah, those people are threatened by that concept, They want to make people think of it and see it and have negative connotations when it's mentioned. If you see that the Muslims are like that, then avoid the word. You can get on the minbar and call to that Quran and that sunnah according to the way the companions understood it without using any of those terms whatsoever. So Imam al-Dhahabi in this book that we've been dealing with up until this point, and you've been sitting here, and Imam al-Dhahabi is not ordering you to be a Wahhabi. Imam al-Dhahabi is not a man who's threatening you with an Islam that you don't understand. Suddenly he used the word as-salaf, and then we say, oh, al-Dhahabi was a Wahhabi. That's not acceptable, ikhwani, it's not acceptable. He said, some of the salaf, our righteous predecessors, they used to say, The very first sin that was committed in which Allah was disobeyed because of that particular sin was and is al-kibr which goes to show the severity and the seriousness of al-kibr and then he brought the ayat to prove that point that Allah Ta'ala said about Iblis 
And remember when we said to the malaika, all of you should make sajda to Adam. So all of the malaika made sajda to Adam, but Iblis refused. And he was arrogant. And he was haughty. He refused because of his kibber. And he was from the kafirin. And he became as such from the disbelievers. He went on to say, Rahimahullah ta'ala, so therefore this ayah shows, anyone who has the kibber that Iblis had, then his iman or his faith will not benefit him one bit. So kibr ikhwani can put a person outside of the fold of al-Islam. To reject something that Allah Ta'ala has ordered in al-Islam and you say, no, al-jihad, because they're putting pressure on us, I don't believe it, it's not from the religion, and you apologize and you erase it. That is kufr. Allah Ta'ala has legislated it and we accept it the way He legislated it. But the way He legislated it is again, and we repeat and reiterate, Al-Jihad has its people, it has its time, it has its place, it has its system, it is organized, it has been legislated to save lives and to save the money and to save the blood and to eradicate fitna from the earth. Jihad was not legislated to create folder, confusion. That's not from the religion of Al-Islam. So whether it's jihad or other than that, we accept it, we embrace it, because it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He went on to say about the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hadith Qudsi. Yaqulullah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Adhamatu Izari. وَالْكِبْرِيَا رَدَّائِي فَمَنْ نَازَعْنِي فِيهِمَا أَلْقَيْتُهُ فِي النَّارِ وَفِي الرِّوَايَةِ عَذَّبْتُهُ Allah Ta'ala said in this authentic hadith Al-Qusi Verily, my greatness or my izar is my greatness The izar is the bottom portion that we wear when we make umrah They call it here the longi What the Yemenese people wear you wrap that lower part portion around your waist and it goes down. He said, that is, my adama is my izar. And my, my rida, the one that you wear on the top, arrogance, pride is my rida. Does Allah wear that? Obviously, it's not talking that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wear clothes. He said, whoever competes with me in either one of these, he competes in trying to be great, like I'm Al-Azim, or he competes with me in pride or arrogance, I will punish him. I will throw him in the hellfire. I had the opportunity of meeting the famous boxer, Muhammad Ali. The Arabs call him Muhammad Ali Clay. Muhammad Ali, heavyweight champion of the world. The probably He's probably one of the world's most well-known Muslims. I met Muhammad Ali in Chicago. He could barely speak and he's trembling because of Alzheimer's disease. He said to me and a group of people who were there, when the issue of his statement came up, when he used to say, I'm, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. He said, if I could take that word back, I wouldn't have said it in the first place. Because maybe my condition right now is a result of what I used to say. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. He didn't mean that he was greater than Allah. He meant at that particular time, 
when African Americans were being oppressed and they were fighting for their civil rights and civil liberties and they were being terrorized by the American government and being prevented from their rights as they still are. They have some nerve to call people terrorists. They're terrorizing black people in America. Back then it was worse. Sicking dogs on people. On old ladies and old men. Muhammad Ali used to beat up white people and say, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. Trying to get young black people to look at him as a champion to tell them that they can be somebody. Is that acceptable in Al-Islam? No, that's not acceptable. Because the hadith said, whoever competes with me in my pride or in my adama, I'm going to punish him or throw him in the hellfire. And it may be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tried Muhammad Ali with that disease because of that statement or maybe other than that. Allahu alam. But it definitely goes to show, Ikhwani, that the Muslim man and the Muslim woman has to be careful with what comes out of your mouth. Even if you don't mean what that particular word is suggesting. In a state of anger, you say to your wife, I hope the baby dies. She says, I don't want this baby, I hope the baby dies. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He allows that dua, that statement, because it was during the time of the hour in which the dua is accepted. So the Muslim has to be careful and conscious of what comes out of his mouth. Whoever competes with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in al-kibr, Allah ta'ala is going to oppress, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to punish him if that's what he chooses to do. He brought the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and the chapter is almost finished. The paradise and the hellfire had an argument, and they raised their complaints to Allah subhanahu wa taala. The paradise said, Oh my Lord, what is it about me that the weak and the downtrodden are those who enter me? If you look at my companions, those who are the occupants of the Jannah, they are the du'afa, the weak and the downtrodden. And the hellfire said, As for my case, my Lord, what is my situation that those who enter me are the arrogant and the oppressors. So the fiqh of the hadith is clear. Al-Imam al-Dahabi is simply showing, clearly showing that if you are a person who has al-kibr or you are jabbar, then that's the place for the people of Ashab al-Nah and the people of humility, the people who recognize that they're not better than anyone else because of their color, because of their tribe, because of their class, because of their economic standing, because of their social standing. People recognize all of those affairs are what Allah distributed upon the servants as He wished and wanted. And no one is better than the next man because of that. Those people who work like that in this religion, they go to the paradise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Prophet said in the last hadith that Al-Imam Al-Dhahabi brought before the last, last hadith which is not authentic. وَقَالَ سَلَمَ إِبْنُ الْأَكْوَى أَكَلَ الرَّجُلٌ عِنْدَ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ بِشِمَالِهِ فَقَالْ قُلْ بِيَمِينِكِ فَقَالَ الرَّجُلُ لَا اسْتَتِعْ مَا مَنَعَهُ إِلَّا الْكِبْرِ 
فقال له النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لا استتعت فما رفعها الى فيه بعد رواه الامام مسلم there was a man who was sitting with rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and they were eating so when the muslim sits with other muslims we know that he's a muslim because he has certain characteristics from the characteristics is he's not musbil he's not musbil the muslim does not wear anything below his ankle bone he is a person who is humble and he sees himself as being humble but if he's musbil having al isbal is a part of kibr even if you don't do it with the intent of being mutakabbir he told muslim ibn jamil and jabir ibn muslim radiyallahu anhuma iyyaka iyyaka wal isbal Beware of having something below your ankles. Verily, anything below your ankle is a sign of arrogance. And he didn't mention, like the other hadith, Whoever drags his clothes and makes them long with arrogance. Yeah, that means that it's even worse. He's doing it because of arrogance. And it's just not in your thobe and below the ankle bone. Al-Isbal is in your sleeve. Al-Isbal is in the imama. Al-Isbal, ikhwani, is the woman who gets married and she has a long dress and she needs 25 of her nieces to walk behind her with the dress. That's Isbal. Not only do our women not dress like that, that's not the way of the nikah in Al-Islam, but it is an added problem in that it is arrogance. It goes to show that the person is saying, look at me, I have money to waste. What is all of that material for? Just to say, I can waste money. The man he wants to get married and he has to go and he has to rent a long vehicle. A hummer from the door to this table to drive it through the streets and to beep the horn so that people can say, look at the money we have to waste on this debt. That's from our culture now in Birmingham. And the person can't even afford it. You're wasting money. That's kibber. The majority of the people have kibber. So al-Isbal ikhwani is in all of that. The rich people in the past would have extra clothing to show. Look, I got money to waste. That's why it's not permissible in al-Islam to put curtains on the wall, to cover the wall completely with a curtain. It's from al-Kibr. Al-Islam didn't allow it. Al-Islam didn't allow us to sit on top of the lion skin, the tiger skin. That's what the kings used to do. So he told us, don't sit on top of the lion skin, the tiger skin, to say, look, I'm like a king, I got money. So the point is, Ikhwani, as we sit here, we've been conquered in our countries and colonized. And in most instances, they gave us our freedom. But our minds are still colonized. Because the Muslim finds it, he wants to leave alone the sunnah of Abu al-Qasim that will set him free, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and follow the sunnah of the colonizers. And if you know the history of colonization, you know that everywhere that the Muslims were colonized, there were individuals from the leaders of the Muslims and groups that came to help the colonizers. The Qadiyani movement was started by one of those people. 
And we still have the same issue today. So the point is, Al-Isbal is from Al-Kibr. And if you ask the Muslim, why are you Muslim? He won't have anything to say other than it doesn't look right in the realm in which I work, corporate America, corporate UK. This way that I look is what's acceptable. But as a Muslim, we have to do our best to make jihad, to establish our Islamic identity. So in this hadith, look what happened. The man was sitting, Rasulullah told the man, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hey, the man was eating with his left hand. With that left hand that's used for the dirty things. As we mentioned the other day, now that we have more people, we want to mention this because this ether should be an ether that you should remember during these days. With Salman al-Farisi, Salman al-Farisi, the Ajami from the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Yahudi wanted to have istihza. He wanted to be sarcastic with Salman al-Farisi to make him afraid about his religion and apologetic about his religion. So the Yahudi said to Salman, لَقَدْ أَلَّمَكُمْ نَبِيُّكُمْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى الْخِرَاءَ Verily your prophet, your Nabi, he has taught you people everything. He even taught you how to go to the bathroom. Making istihza. Salman al-Farisi didn't say, oh I'm sorry, yes he did, I'm sorry. And he didn't apologize. He said, Ajl. That's right, he did. لَقَدْ نَهَانَا أَنَسْتَقْبِلِ الْقِبْلَةَ لِغَائِطِ الْأَوْبَوْ أَوَ النَّسْتَنْجِيَ بِالْيَمِينَ أَوَ النَّسْتَنْجِيَ بِأَقَلْ مِنْ ثَلَافِتِ أَحْجَابِ أَوَ النَّسْتَنْجِيَ بِالْرَجِيعِ أَوْ عَذَمِ That's right, he taught us everything. Even how to go to the bathroom Allah. He taught us that we should not face the Qibla when we use the bathroom either way. Face it or turn away from our Qibla. He also taught us that we should clean ourselves and we shouldn't use our right hands. Only with the left hand. He used to use the right hand for what was clean. Shaking hands, giving things, eating, drinking, taking things. When he gives the khutbah, he would say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. When he made the shahad, he would put his finger up in the air with his right hand. He would make the dhikr of Allah with his right hand. He wouldn't do that with his left hand. And he taught us that when we purify ourselves with al-istijmar, we should not use less than three rocks. If you're going to use rocks, then don't use less than three. Today the Muslim is embarrassed to say that we use rocks for al-istinja. The environment they used to have was like that. And you may find yourself in that type of situation where you can use al-istijmar. Instead of apologizing, be proud Proud, not arrogant pride. Be proud that our religion has the fiqh where we use toilet tissue, barakallah fikum. Because if you can use rocks, you can use toilet tissue. That's the fiqh of Al-Islam. Don't be apologetic. And finally, he وسلم, made it impermissible for us to use bones and to use the dried dung of animals. He was answering the call of nature. He told one of the companions, go give me some rocks. The man went, the boy went out of Malik and he brought back some bones and some rocks mixed in. Rasulullah told him, this is the food of our brothers from the jinn. Don't use it. The Muslim is apologetic to say something like that to the people. The ant 
spoke to Suleiman. The Muslim is apologetic because the Kufar say, you really believe ants spoke to a man? Nah, we believe the ants spoke to the man. We believe the birds spoke to the man. We believe the camels spoke to our Prophet and our Messenger. They really look at that Ikhwani as being really strange. So you people are fanatic. This is the problem with religion. It makes intelligent people bury their intellect. No, that's the problem with intellect. That when it's not bridled and harnessed, it goes beyond the limits that have been ordained by Allah And it rejects what it has no right to reject. What Allah didn't reveal a sultan for it to reject. So the man said, when he told him, eat with your left hand, with your right hand. The man said, I can't. Nothing prevented him from changing his hands other than kibbutz. The narrator of the hadith said, after that, he became paralyzed and he wasn't able to raise his left hand to his mouth again. Why? Because he had kibr as it relates to the Quran and the Sunnah when it comes to him. Well, it's, only, it's only the Sunnah. It's only what Allah ordered me to do, but I don't have to do it. I'm not going to do it. So that is a sign for us, Ikhwani, as it relates to being arrogant and opposing and repelling the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu The last hadith that he brought is not authentic, so we're not going to mention it. We'll end with the last statement of Al-Imam al-Dhahabi for the students of knowledge in our masjid. Anyone who considers himself to be a student of knowledge or he wants to tread the path of the ulama and the tulab al-ilm, Al-Imam al-Dhahabi said, Qudtu. وَأَشَرُّ الْكِبْرِ مَنْ تَكَبْرَ عَلَى الْإِبَادِ بِعِلْمِهِ وَتَعَاذَمَ فِي نَفْسِهِ بِفَضِيلَتِهِ فَإِنَّ هَذَا لَمْ يَنْفَعْهُ عِلْمُهُ فَإِنَّ مَنْ طَلَبَ الْعِلْمَ لِلْآخِرَةِ كَسَّرُهُ عِلْمُهُ وَخَشْيَ قَلْبُهُ وَاسْتَكَانَتْ نَفْسُهُ وَكَانَ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ بِالْمِرْصَادِ فَلَمْ يَفْتِرْ عَنْهَا بَلْ يُحَاسِبُهَا كُلَّ وَقْتٍ وَيَثْقِفُهَا فَإِنْ غَفَلَ عَنْهَا جَمَحَتْ عَنَ التَّرِيقِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ وَأَهْلَكَتْهُ وَمَنْ طَلَبَ الْعِلْمَ لِلْفَخْرِ وَالْرِيَاسَةِ وَالنَّظْرِ إِلَى الْمُسْلِمِينَ شَذَرَ وَتَحَامَقَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَازْدَرَ بِهِمْ فَهَذَا مِنْ أَكْبَرِ الْكِبْرِ وَلَا يَدْخُلْ جَنَّةَ مَنْ فِي قَلْبِهِ مِثْقَالِ ذَرَّةٍ مِنْ كِبْرٍ فَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ He said, Rahimahullahu ta'ala, and the worst type of arrogance is the arrogance that the people have as a result of the knowledge that they were given. Allah Ta'ala blessed the person with knowledge so he becomes puffed up with pride and he sees himself as having some virtues over the other people. He said, verily, this individual, he never received any benefit from the knowledge that he acquired. So whoever goes out to seek knowledge for the hereafter, the knowledge in itself will make him humble and lower him. And his heart will become fearful. And he will see his nafs as being low. Because the more knowledge that he has, the more he becomes humble. He said, the individual who goes out to get the knowledge in order to get benefit in the hereafter, he's the one who is always having to make hisab and he's reckoning his own self. As for the one who becomes incognizant of this reality, then he has deviated from the correct way and he has been destroyed by the knowledge. 
Whoever goes after the knowledge in order to become a leader and in front of the people or in order to brag and to boast with pride and in order to look down upon the Muslims and to make them seem as if they're ignorant, they're stupid, they're idiots. This is the individual who has fallen into one of the greatest forms and manifestations of Al-Kibr. And the one who has one speck of kibr in his heart, he will not enter into the Jannah, and there's no power and there's no might except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Khwani, there are some people with knowledge that we have met, we've met them. We've met them in the Muslim world and other than that, that if you just want to, because you have a good opinion about his particular mansab, you want to just give him salams, and he treats the people as if they're dirt. He doesn't want to look at you. He doesn't even want to acknowledge your presence. We're not talking about the one who he has a position like he is the Imam of the Haram of Mecca. And he has to get in and out of the Haram every day to make Salat. And everyone wants to stop him and touch him and greet him with sincerity. Because they want to meet the Imam of the Haram and Mecca. But he can't stop to greet every individual. And because he keeps going, we say he's arrogant. No, that's not fair. That's not fair. He can't stop to greet every single human being. But we're talking about those individuals who, they don't have those type of demands on their time. And they don't have that type of mansa. When you meet them, they look down at you. You have to stand up when they come into the room. If he comes into the room, you have to stand up. But if another regular person from the Muslim comes into the room, the people don't stand up for him. So it's social hypocrisy. If he dies, we'll pray Salatul Janaz al ghaib for him. But the regular normal Muslim, we're not going to pray for him. Social hypocrisy. We recognize people's different positions, but Al-Muslimun tatakafu dima'un. The Muslims, their blood is equal. No one's blood is more important than the next man's blood. So the worst type of kibr is the kibr that comes as a result of a person having been endowed with knowledge. Those people who fear Allah from His servants are the ones who have knowledge, the ulama. The more knowledge he has, the more he becomes humble because the more knowledge he has, the more he realizes he doesn't know much. The less the amount of knowledge he has, the more he thinks he knows. He memorizes 40 hadith and juz amma. Now he's a mufti given fatawa about the blood and the privates and the monies of people. And that's a problem that we're dealing with today. From our youth are those people who read a book or two or three. They've been guided to the right way. And as a result of that, they have al-kibr. They don't know how to treat people and they don't know how to rectify the affairs. Knowledge should increase an individual in humility. As the Tabi al-Hasan al-Basri used to say when he used to tell his students to look at the ayat of Allah, he said concerning the land, the earth, when it rains, the water is caught in the lowest parts of the earth. The earth when it has the holes in it, the parts that catch the water, is not the mountain, the high part of the earth, it's the place where there are holes and there are, the earth has sunken in. 
So the lesson he was trying to teach them is the one who has knowledge, the water, the one who has knowledge is the individual who is one who is humble. He's approachable. You can talk to him. He can spend time with you. But we have to be balanced as we mentioned before. That doesn't mean that every scholar has to sit with you in your personal affair every day, all day. It doesn't mean that. So we're going to stop here, inshallah.